Kevin Palmieri remembers opening his final pay stub of the year. Did he accomplish his goal of six figures? Absolutely, he did. But nothing changed. He was laying in bed that night and had this thought. Your car doesn't matter. Your house doesn't matter. Your wallet doesn't matter. Your thoughts matter more than anything. And that is how Kevin's life dramatically changed. And today he is here to show you how you can change your world. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Some people find rock bottom. Kevin found out that rock bottom has a basement. When I read that, Kevin, <laughs> I re not only related, but I thought, oh my goodness, there is going to be a lot of people that are going to relate to that statement. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> In his mid-20s, Kevin had it all. A beautiful girlfriend, a high-paying job, a sports car, and more. But he still ended up sitting on the edge of his bed, debating suicide more than once. Welcome, Kevin. Carol, thank you so very much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm grateful to chat with you today and excited to see where we go. Me as well. Tell us your story. Yeah, so uh, all of this for me starts when I was younger. Obviously, that's where all of our stories start. I was raised in a single parent household. So I was raised by my mom and my grandmother, and I didn't know my dad. I actually didn't meet my dad until I was 27. So obviously, that played a, a role in the young man you hear today. So I always throw that out there just because that was part of my my upbringing. Nothing really interesting happened to me until high school when I decided that I didn't want to go to college. All of my friends were applying and excited to do all these wonderful things and move across the country or wherever they were going to end up. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I don't think me going into debt to figure it out is the way I want to approach this. <laughs> so I got a I got a job at the local gas station and that was the first dipping my toe into the the workforce, so to speak. So I pumped gas. I eventually got sick of that. And I said, well, I'm going to go get another job. And I was a personal trainer. And then I worked at a hospital cleaning floors and bathrooms and rooms. And I just kept job hopping because I was always looking for more money, more opportunity, just something I enjoyed more. When I was in my early 20s, I got this very unique opportunity in industry called weatherization. And all weatherization means is you go into buildings and you make them more energy efficient. So I was working on large buildings, uh, schools, fire stations, police departments, town halls, 
anything state or government owned, we were working on those. So Carol, I quite literally went from making like $15 an hour to making 60 to $120 an hour at this new job. <laughs> and I, I was thinking, ah, I made all the right choices. Not going to college was the right choice. I, this is perfect. This is exactly how it's supposed to play out. So as you alluded to, when I was 25, from the outside looking in, I had everything. I, my girlfriend was a model, sports car, new apartment, high paying job, the body of my dreams. I had just won a bodybuilding show, hmm. but I was just miserable. I was unfulfilled. I was insecure. I was scared of my own shadow. And my girlfriend ended up leaving me because I was unable to pour into her cup because I was barely able to keep my own cup uh -huh. filled. When she left, obviously, that was that was an initial rock bottom for me. I'm single. My bills just doubled. Work is slow. I'm having a lot of doubts about myself. What am I going to do? So I convinced myself that if I go all in on money, I will get rid of most of my problems. So... <laughs> That, that was uh, the first mistake. So the next year starts, I got a promotion at my job. So I became a foreman and I proceeded to spend the next 10 months living out of hotels because we had so much work on the road. I spent 10 months spending Monday through Friday living in a hotel room, not a nice one, to somewhere on the East Coast of the United States. Hmm. But we got to the end of the year. I had my final pay stub in hand. I opened it up and I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree, but nothing internally changed, right? Yes, my bank account had more money in it. Yes, I had more financial abundance and I think that's important to, to mention, but I was still insecure. I still wasn't confident. I was still uncertain. I was still feeling the voids internally that I hoped these external results would fix. So I thought to myself, I definitely have lived this life and especially this year, unconsciously. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. Hmm, interesting. So I, I did what any young man would do, Carol. I started a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast. And that's where all of this started. I fell in love with podcasting as I am just loathing my job because I know what it takes to make that kind of money. And I know that I'm not willing to do it again. So I start calling out of work. I start leaving the job site early, showing up late. And every time I'm packing my bag to get ready to leave for the week, I am just sadder and sadder and sadder wow. and more depressed. Wow. So eventually, as you alluded to, it got to the point where I was on the road and I woke up at 530 in the morning in a hotel room in New Jersey, which is six hours from where I lived. I sat up. I slid to the edge of the bed. I was lacing up my work boots and I had done this a thousand times before, but that morning it was different. It was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time and every single one was on a different station. Oh my goodness. One is saying you're stuck here forever. You're not the type of person who gets this job, never mind leaves this job behind. If you do work up the courage to leave, what are your friends going to think? They all look up to you because you make a lot of money. There's a lot of significance mm -hmm. there, reputation there. What's your family going to think? My family was very proud of me. I was making more money than anybody in my family. And what are you going to do if you leave? Right? I, I haven't exactly uh -huh. created many opportunities for myself with the way I've lived my life. And in that moment, Carol, I thought to myself, if I take my life away, I will also take my problems away. Uh -huh. And I, I was just having these really dark thoughts, these dark feelings, this hopelessness, this helplessness. Now, I'm very blessed that I have wonderful people around me. That is something I've always had an abundance of, and I'm very, very grateful for that. So I reached out to a friend who is now my business partner, 
and I explained to him what was going on. And he had many, many words of wisdom, but the the ones that really stuck out and the ones I remember to this day are Kev. Over the last couple of years, your awareness has changed a ton, but your environments have remained the same. Yeah. Right? Wisdom, Carol. There was wisdom in that. That allowed me to have a little bit of hope. And that allowed me to have a little bit of permission to say, okay, interesting. Maybe what I'm doing today is not what I have to do forever. Okay, what does this all mean? So I ended up leaving my job three or four months later. And then I went full time into trying to grow the podcast and, and grow the business and figure out who I was as a human being. And that was 2018. So that it's almost been six years of doing what we do full time now. Give us the steps of your own self-improvement to overcome the anxiety that you were experiencing that could help our audience. Yeah, it's very interesting. When I left my job, my depression got better almost instantly, but my anxiety spiked because, and this is the first step, I was unaware of how far into the anxiety zone I was living. So if you think about it as like a bullseye, in the center of the bullseye is your comfort zone. The next ring out is the learning zone. And then the the ring that's on the outer edge, the furthest out, is your anxiety zone. I didn't realize that me quitting my job and not having any financial certainty, not knowing anything about business, learning so much about myself, I didn't realize that that was going to put me in the anxiety zone. So step number one is identify what your comfort zone is, identify what your learning zone is, and identify what your anxiety zone is, and then figure out your current location. I think one of the the reasons we deal with situational anxiety is because we are further outside of our comfort zone than we actually realize because nobody really ever told us how far to go. You hear a lot of people say, nothing grows in the comfort zone. Make sure you're outside of your comfort zone. There is a negative side of that too, and you can go too far out. So I think first step is identify where you're currently at and what are the results that you're getting there. And here's the interesting thing about self-improvement. When you start to work on yourself, whether that's self-awareness, whether that's learning about things that are important to you, whether that's about learning about the people around you, eliminating people that are negative, creating more space for positive people, the external world tends to affect you less. And the reason I say that is because when you're working very, very diligently on yourself, you're becoming more capable, you're becoming more competent. You're starting to level out your self-worth. You're starting to increase your self-belief. The things that used to rock you don't necessarily rock you as much. And I know that's kind of a hard answer or maybe a hard thing to contextualize, but I just think of it as, as you're pouring into yourself and as you're learning more and you're becoming more aware of everything, things tend to impact you a little bit less. The things that made me anxious five years ago are drastically different than the things that make me anxious today. I very rarely get anxious today, but it's because I've constantly tried to figure out, okay, I'm in the comfort zone. Let me go to learning. Learning is constructive. Learning is doing something just beyond your current capabilities. So you understand what that feeling is, and then you level up to that level. And then when I'm in the anxiety zone, I try to do a really good job of saying, okay, what do I need in this moment? What's rest and relaxation for me? What's a time away, what's going to fill my cup, right? So I think it's identifying it first, understanding the feelings that come with that, and then figuring out, okay, when I am in the anxiety zone, when I'm dealing with anxiety, what are the things that fill my cup? What are the behaviors that I can practice that will help me 
kind of mitigate that. And then as you learn about that, you know, longer and longer, you can kind of formulate your own plan around it. I've never heard anyone explain the comfort zone like you did. Mm. I really appreciated that. And the, and the learning zone, constructive. Excellent point. The anxiety zone. I think a lot of people have these reversed, don't they? Yeah. it's. I think one of the challenges is your natural reaction when you're in anxiety is to seek comfort. And Right. Okay. Right? So a lot of us, I think, are constantly going from... Because think of it this way, if you go to a work environment that makes you anxious, when you go home, the last thing in the world you're going to want to do is work on yourself. You're going to want to seek comfort, understandably. So it really is trying to identify like what are the things that create anxiety in your life? What makes you anxious? The people, places, things, ideas, feelings, you know, memories, whatever it may be. It, it's it's very understandable. If If you live a life in the comfort zone and then you dive right to anxiety, your natural tendency is going to be to dive back into comfort. It just makes sense logically. Why is this important, you know, to to differentiate between these zones? Yeah, it's a great question because just because something is comfortable does not mean it's serving you, huh. right? Just because something is challenging does not mean it's bad. And if something is like challenging beyond the point of construction it's going to hurt you in the long run. So it's almost like the place that we go to stay safe is probably not the place we're going to grow. The place we go to grow, there's going to be a lot of challenges and it doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. It doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. It doesn't mean you're not making progress. It doesn't mean you can't get a little bit better. The place that we visit occasionally is the one that a lot of us just try to make normal. And if you're making the anxiety zone normal, everything else is going to, it's going to be a little bit harder and it's going to take more time to, to recover from that. So yeah, when you understand those three zones and you understand yourself in those three zones, I think it allows you to create a more sustainable life. Now, again, obviously I'm privileged in certain ways where I get to work from home and I get to do this every day and I don't have to go to a, a job. So maybe that's the first step is saying, okay, when I go to work, I get super anxious. Maybe I should start looking for, you know, a virtual job or something in a, in a different industry or whatever it may be. I know that might sound rash and that might sound like a giant choice, but at the end of the day, this is your life and, and this is your well-being. How do goals fit into this scenario? Goals create necessity. I've never really met somebody who has a ton of very positive habits, who has a really high level of self-awareness who is very consistent if they don't have goals that require those character traits. Goals allow you to see what you must become in order to accomplish something. They create a roadmap of necessity for you. And I think they also create hope. One of the things that I struggled with the most when I was the lowest at my life is uh, when I was the lowest in my life, I didn't have a lot of hope. I felt very hopeless about the future. I was uncertain about my future. I didn't have many goals, right? My main goal was to make as much money as humanly possible, but I didn't understand the why under that. I didn't understand what I was trying to mask with that. So yeah, goals are important because one, when you set small goals and you accomplish small goals, you're going to build belief in yourself. That's one. You're going to build self-trust. You're going to have the necessity to become a certain type of person. If you want to, say you want to set a goal to run a marathon, 
yeah, that's a great goal because you're going to be healthier because you're going to run more. You're going to be more consistent. You're probably going to watch what you eat more. You're probably going to drink more water. You're probably going to spend time with people that are more active. That one goal to run 26.2 miles actually might benefit you in five different departments of life, but you might never get around those people, eat healthier, sleep more, drink more water, do more exercise without the goal. So the goal is as much about who you become as what you accomplish when you cross that proverbial finish line. Now, this question may seem a little strange because I know you can't put a absolute answer to it. And that is, what kind of time factor are most people looking at when they begin these changes? I think most people are very short-sighted. So myself included, right? One of my favorite quotes, Carol, from day to day, progress is invisible. From year to year, progress is impossible to miss. So if you're looking at something from day to day, and that's your time perspective, and that's what your Uh expectations Uh are, you're most likely not going to do something for long enough to actually see the results. So yeah, from what I've seen, and again, I'm very, very guilty of this in the beginning, I had a very, very short time perspective, which didn't allow me to actually create positive habits and then do them long enough to actually see the benefits that come with them. But it's completely understandable because having a long time perspective is, it's a very, very challenging thing. And there's a lot of math underneath that. And there's, you know, there's a lot that you can go into, but most people are really, they're saying, well, I can't accomplish that much in a week. So I can't accomplish that much in a year. When in reality, if you can do something consistently for 52 weeks, my goodness, you can (laughs) be in a different, (laughs) right? You can be in a much different position. So I would say most people are thinking more about time than they are the consistency that piles up over time. It starts with the decision. Yes, 100%. We're going to take a very short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your podcast, your online course, and your coaching. We'll be right back. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. I never ever give up hope this morning. We've been talking with Kevin Palmieri and he has definitely encouraged me. He has motivated me and I just can't wait to hear what else he is going to share with us regarding how we can implement the things that he has already talked about this morning into our own lives. So let's start with how did your podcast start? You mentioned it a little bit in the beginning, but share a little bit more about your your podcast itself. Yeah, I in the beginning I just wanted to have cool conversations with cool people. And that I mean that was really it. I never had any goals of making money. That was never I didn't have a business background, so none of this is really the way I planned it. I just wanted to talk about cool stuff 
I wanted to, I used to say, go deep. I want to have deep conversations about our fears and the stuff that we're excited about and our best memories, our worst memories. I just wanted to uncover the human beneath the human. Like that was really what I wanted to do right in the beginning. And something interesting happened, Carol, when I, so when Alan, Alan my is my business partner, when he and I connected, we were, I was probably like 20 episodes in and we partnered up. I left my job. When I did that, we started to realize that most of our listeners were actually women. And I know if you're listening, you can't see me, but I'm a tattooed bodybuilder who loves uh, mixed martial arts and boxing and, and combat sports. So that was not what I expected. Now, I am eternally grateful that is the audience that we attracted because it's helped me hone my character and understand humans at a deeper level. So I'm eternally grateful for that. But once we learned that that was our audience, we went all in on trying to serve the people that were listening. And that really has has lent itself to the, you know, the quote unquote success that we have today. It's just we have a lot of real authentic relationships with real authentic people. And it's very hard to replicate that. So that's kind of been our strategy from the beginning is just treat people like people, add value to these people and just try to go above and beyond and be there for them when you can. That goes a long way in this internet world that we live in. So share a little bit more about the specifics of your podcast, where to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our podcast is called the next level university. We talk about leveling up your life, your love, your health, and your wealth. Uh, my business partner and I were both financially successful at one point, but our relationships weren't good or our health wasn't good or when our health was good, nothing else was good. So we try to take a holistic, well-rounded approach to success and self-improvement. So we talk about self-belief versus self-worth. We talk about um, you know, how to increase the positivity in your relationships, how to make more money, how to save more money, anything you need in order to become a more evolved version of yourself. We're on all the podcast platforms. All of our episodes are on YouTube. We actually just recorded our 1390th episode. So we've been doing this for a hot minute and there's a lot of content out there if you're into it. That sounds great. I appreciate that. <laughs> wow. And tell us about your online course. One of the things we've prided ourselves on is that no matter where somebody is in their self-improvement journey or where they are in their financial journey, there is somewhere in our business for them. So we sat down and we created a course called the Next Level Thri Five to Thrive. And we literally spent eight hours on a Sunday. We recorded it in our old podcast studio that we had. And we said, what are the most important five things that people need to know when they're starting out their self-improvement journey? And that was it for us. We have worksheets that go with it. It's totally free. It's on our website. You can have access to it. It'll be free forever. It's a good place to start, right? If you feel okay. stuck, if you feel um, like you need a little inspiration, a little motivation, maybe some lessons, some good stories, it's a really, really good place to start. And it is for you completely free. And what about your coaching sessions? This is where things get a little complicated. We have many, many different styles of coaching, right? So I do mindset coaching. My business partner does business coaching, but he also does peak performance coaching for early entrepreneurs. Uh, we also have a group coaching program that's more affordable and better from the perspective of creating a community. So at the end of the day, if you're a business owner, we can help you grow, scale, and make more money in your business. But if you're somebody who says, you know, I just feel like something is missing, or 
I can't figure out why I'm not being consistent or I'm struggling in my relationship. I'm struggling with my health. I'm struggling to be motivated. We have coaching programs for that, whether it's one-on-one or a group coaching approach. Um, at the end of the day, I really feel like the people that you trust the most are also the ones who can help you the most. So if you resonate with me, my energy, whatever it may be, maybe we'd be a good fit for that. Is there someone that sticks out in your mind that you can share how their life changed? Oh my goodness. There was a young lady. Her name's Amy. She reached out to me one day. She was a listener of the podcast and she was friends with me on Snapchat. And she sent me a message and said, Kev, I am so afraid to start conversations with strangers that this college thing, this school thing is really hard for me because I feel like I'm alone all the time and I'm surrounded by people who look like they're having a good time, but I'm so afraid to get rejected and get laughed at if I try to talk to them. And I said, okay, I feel, I feel you on that. I think that's more normal than you probably think, but let's do this. You live close to me. Let's go to the mall and we're going to go to the mall. And we're going to literally approach people. We're going to go fear chase. That's what we used to call it. We used to call it fear chasing. So I met Amy at the mall. We hugged it out. Got a Starbucks coffee because I needed a little liquid courage. And we went into a store. And I said, Amy, I want you to go ask the person behind the desk how much that beanbag chair cost. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, I just want you to go up there and just say, hey, Phil, I was just wondering how much is that beanbag chair over there? And she said, no, 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 this is going to go terribly wrong. And I said, no, no, it's going to be fine. They're going to be excited to talk to you. And they're, they're probably bored, right? So let's just, let's start there and we'll see what happens. So Amy starts a conversation with his first person, goes well. We go to another store, same thing. We go to another store, same thing. Then we go down to the food court. And I said, okay, let's try asking, you know, how do they cook the chicken? How do they cook the rice? What's the special, whatever. Okay, she does that. Then we're having conversations with people on the escalator. We're getting ready to leave that day, Carol. And for some reason, there were these motorized zoo animals on wheels that you could rent. (laughs) I don't know who came up with the idea, but there's like this pen of them in the middle of the mall. So we're, we're walking by them. And Amy said to me, if we were really brave, we would rent those things. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I do not want to do this. I do not want to do this. I'm going to look like a fool. But I have a video that I show when I give speeches on my phone of Amy and I riding these zoo animals around the mall. I think she was on a giraffe and I was on a lion, I think. Oh, my word. And from there, Amy actually went back to school. She So she she was doing higher education. She went back to school. She got a 3.9 GPA, even though she didn't believe she could go. She ended up on our team. So she worked on our team for three years. She moved from a small town in Rhode Island to Nashville, Tennessee, got her dream job, and she actually just bought her first house. So that's just a really good example of, one, a courageous message to somebody who maybe you think can help you or maybe you think is is willing to listen to what it can really look like when you start to do the things that are a little bit outside of your comfort zone, right? I was consciously trying to make sure I kept her in the learning zone. And I think that's one of the reasons why she kept going yeah. and going. Yeah. Wow. That is an excellent, excellent example. <laughs> well, that's Thanks. exciting. You you drew a word picture so well. I mean, I, I could visualize, you know, the whole thing. 
<laughs> in the mall. That's, that was I appreciate perfect. it. Yes. I, I know a lot of people probably haven't ridden or rode, ridden, whatever the proper term is, uh, mechanical zoo animals around the mall. So I got to paint a pretty vivid That's picture. right. Exactly. <laughs> in summary, what would you like to share with the audience? Anything and just run with it. Yeah, I would say two things. I, I usually leave with two things. Uh, one, the biggest difference between who you are today and who you want to be eventually are your habits, right? The stuff that we're doing every day determines where we're going to be tomorrow, six months, a year, five years down the road. So just understand the importance of the stuff that you're doing today. It might seem useless. It might seem in con uh, without consequences, but positive habits and or negative habits that are going to add up. That's one thing I would say. And then I always leave with a question because this question really, really helped me and it really, really impacted my life. Are the people in your life the best from your past or the best for your future? We have people in our lives that have just always been in our lives, but it doesn't mean they're supposed to be. Maybe we used to go to school with them or we used to go to the gym, used to party, used to date, whatever, whatever. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's best for our future. So it's a very challenging question. It's a very hard question to answer. But I do think if you answer it, you will be better off afterwards. I would like you to repeat that first one. What I wrote was who you are today mm. and who you want to be. Yeah, the biggest difference between who you are today okay. and who you want to be eventually, eventually. is your habits. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. I love it. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.